1: and I'm an elder here currently serving on the session. Please join me in the call to worship. Be with us now, O Lord, our help. We call to you, the one who knows the needs of the world. Be with us now, O Lord, our help. We call to you, the one who hears us when we cry. Be with us now, O Lord of help, as we pray for deliverance. Be with us now, O Lord, our help, as we gather to praise you here and go out to live for you. Let us rejoice together as we worship
2: God. Friends, our scripture lesson this morning is Psalm 22 which can be found on page 473 of your Pew Bibles. Hear now God's word. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. and you our ancestors trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not human. I'm scorned by others and despised by the people. All who see me mock at me, they make mouths at me, they shake their heads. Commit your cause to the Lord, let him deliver, let him rescue the one in whom he delights. Yet, it was you who took me from the womb. You kept me safe on my mother's breast. On you, I was cast from my birth, and since my mother bore me, You have been my God. So, God, do not be far from me, for trouble is near and there's no one to help. Many bulls encircle me, strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide, their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion. I'm poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax melted within my breast. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. For dogs are all around me. A company of evildoers encircles me. My hands and feet are shriveled. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among themselves, and for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far away. O my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. From the horns of the wild oxen, you have rescued me. So I will tell your name to my brothers and sisters. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him. Stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel, because he did not despise or abhor the affliction of the afflicted. He did not hide his face from me, but heard when I cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation, my vows I will pay before those who fear him. The poor shall eat And be satisfied, those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before him, for dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. To him, indeed, shall all who sleep in the earth bow down. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust, and I shall live for him. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord and proclaim his deliverance to a people yet unborn, saying that he has done it. Amen? Amen. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. when I was studying the text, Lighting Dynamite didn't occur to me at all. So it's not in the sermon, but it's a good thing to think about as we go into our week. Let us pray together. Lord, let your text speak to us in new ways today, that we might go from this place different from the people we were when we came, transformed in our worship. Amen. One of our Sunday school classes, the Berean class, has planned their entire year of classes around the theme, The Power of the Story. I'm teaching that class today and next week, that's not a plug, and our conversation is about the themes that appear over and over again in stories that draw us in. In that class, we're talking about the moments in the story that resonate with us. You've had them, I bet. The moments when you're reading and you find yourself smiling or shaking your head because you've had that same experience or that story says exactly what you thought or just what you felt. It draws us in because in a way, it's our story too. So far, our Wrestling with God sermon series has taken us into the stories of Jacob, Job, Paul, Euodia and Sentica, Peter, and even Jesus. Hopefully those stories have connected with our own stories about wrestling with God. But today's text, Psalm 22, is not a story. It doesn't follow the arc of a character who's experiencing some kind of conflict or problem, who goes through a struggle and then learns a lesson or finds a resolution. Instead, Psalm 22 is a prayer. It's the very personal, raw prayer of someone who's in the middle of something terrible. And when we read it, we are invited right into the experience of wrestling with God. It might not resonate with us in the same way stories do, because we don't have a character's name. We don't know specifically what awfulness is causing this pain. But it might resonate with us in a different way. This prayer is written in the first person— When we read it, we read, I, my, me. We can't help but be drawn into this prayer as our own. We can't help but think about our own experiences of hardship, of pain, fear, doubt, and even the absence of God. It might feel disorienting but maybe it gives us a new voice to pray the things that have felt too hard or too risky to name. It frees us to wrestle faithfully with God, and it gives us the opportunity to be transformed through our prayer. We see the transformation happen in Psalm 22. At the beginning of the psalm, the psalmist is in extreme suffering, complete humiliation, total desperation. At the brink of death, things are as bad as they could possibly get. They're so bad that the psalm opens with the cry, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? These words—the same words Jesus utters from the cross—are some of the hardest in all of Scripture. It makes us uncomfortable to think about God being gone. So uncomfortable that preachers often blame the psalmist for his problems here. They say, he must not have trusted God enough, or maybe he's crying because he's weak in his faith. But the fact that Jesus prayed this prayer Himself tells us that these cries are not signs of weak faith. They're signs of the psalmist's trust in God. After all, he remembers. He remembers that God knew him from the time he was in the womb and has been his God since birth. When he cries, he stands on the solid ground of his relationship with his God. He says, my God, my God. He trusts enough to name God's absence and ask for God's presence, to name his own fears and ask for God's deliverance. The psalmist cries because he believes that God is strong enough to change this terrible situation. So he wrestles. He wrestles with the fact that his suffering doesn't match up with what he believes about God. He's crying and hearing no answer. His ancestors cried out. They weren't shamed, but he— is being mocked, despised, humiliated to the point of being a worm. Did you hear that image? Lowly and less than human. He's crying all day and night, and there are threats all around him. Enemies, like wild animals, bulls, lions, wild dogs are encircling him, threatening his life. Evildoers are surrounding him. And they're gloating, and they're staring. And the text says they're making mouths at him like they're growling. They're closing in, and they think he's as good as dead. They've already started to divide up his stuff. They're making sport of his pain. And his body is no better off. His hands and his feet are shriveled. He says he's poured out like water. That image is like all of the stuff of life has gone from him. He's broken. His bones are out of joint. His heart is giving way. It's melting like wax. His mouth is dry. It goes on and on. This is a terrible situation. His tongue is stuck. He feels like he's in the dust of death, like he might as well be dead. From that moment of utter crisis. The psalmist cries out for God. He prays, Do not be far away from me, God. Come quickly. Deliver me. Save me. The psalmist cries because he still believes that God can come and deliver and save. He clings to his relationship with his God. And his prayer is an invitation for our own. It gives us words to pray in crisis. It invites us to cling to our God, to know that we can be utterly honest with God and our relationship will not be severed, but that honest prayer is hard. How often do we try to make our conversation with God sound a particular way? How often do we not say what we are really thinking or even what we really need because we are worried that God might not like it? Or worse, how often do we think that if we say the wrong thing, God might not even hear us? If I'm honest, it took me a really long time to learn that there's no wrong thing to say to God. I grew up in church. We were there every week. I went to church more than average in college. And then I was in seminary. And believe me, you worship a lot in seminary. And all through that time, without really knowing it, I prayed as if my prayers were something I had to get right. I see some people nodding. My prayers sometimes came out like short-term papers. Because I wanted to get the phrasing just right. I wanted to say all the good things. I wanted to sound confident. I wanted to use all the best imagery. I wanted God to like my prayer. I wanted to be good at praying, which is not really its point, is it? Or sometimes my prayers sounded like the first day of an internship. Thank you so much for having me here in this wonderful place. I don't have anything to complain about. I'm just so glad to be here. I won't bother you with my questions. I'll work my very hardest and do my best at everything you ask me to do. And again, I'm so grateful for this opportunity. And maybe if I do a really good job, would you be willing to write me a letter of recommendation? (laughs) Amen. There's a lot of goodness in there. I'm not knocking gratitude and humility. But those prayers didn't include my questions. They didn't include my hurts or my fears. They didn't say, God, I know that you have known me since you formed me in my mother's womb and that I can trust your love and our relationship enough to ask you for what I need, to tell you that I'm not sure how to follow you To tell you how afraid I am, to groan about the things that just are not right in your world, to tell you that I feel isolated, that I feel guilty for wondering where you are, and that I don't think anyone else feels this way, to tell you that my pain is real and I just can't find you in the midst of it. Psalm 22 reminds us that we can call out to God in our doubt, in our pain, in our fear. There is power in that kind of honest prayer. We see it in the psalm. There's a turn in the middle. At the pitch of the psalmist's cry, something changes. And this person, who has been in the depths of abandonment, suddenly shouts, Praise to God. He's so transformed that he can't stop praising. He praises God in the congregation, to the offspring of Jacob, to the afflicted, to the poor, to the ends of the earth, even to the dead, even to the yet unborn. This person who was utterly alone and at the brink of death is suddenly connected to everyone in the world in praise. We need that kind of transformation, too. We need to be different people when we leave here because we have prayed honestly and worshiped faithfully. We need to be moved from lament to joyful praise, from painful isolation to communion with God and each other. After all, in Lent, We journey through our darkest paths in order to be transformed into Easter people. Jesus himself cried to God the words of this psalm as he hung on a cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that death was not the end, but was transformed into life eternal for us. We need to confess again and again that our Lord transformed humiliation into glory, death, into life. Psalm 24 invites us to cry out. God, there's violence all around us. There are armed conflicts far away and shootings that we worry about that could be anytime, anywhere. God, people still judge and fear each other because of the color of their skin. God, we wonder what kind of world this is going to be for our children and whether there will be faithful leaders of wisdom and courage to guide them. God, we feel vulnerable in the face of power ill-used God, we hear every day about a friend or a loved one who has been diagnosed with something terrible. We feel helpless when our bodies are wasted by disease and its treatment. God, there are families suffering, relationships unraveling all around us. God, we are plagued with insecurity about whether we are good enough as people as parents, as friends, as neighbors, as your followers. God, the gap between the haves and the have-nots in your world grows wider. So many of your children are going without. God, when we think about our sin, we wonder whether we're testing the limits of your love. We feel like we're not worthy to call ourselves Christians. We are afraid to come to you. God, we see the state of your world, and we long to see you in the midst of it. We cry out to you, God, with our questions, our fears, and our pain. We join with the voices of all who suffer, even with Christ himself, the one who suffered and was transformed for us. We pray. Lord, come, deliver, save. Amen. One second. Friends, a quick reminder that we'll have the Get Involved Fair in Fifield Hall just after this time of worship. Whether you've never been involved in this church or you've served in every possible way at this church, please go and consider what new way God might be asking you to use your gifts. Now go from this place in peace to love and serve the Lord. Different people than the ones who came in here confident, standing on God's strong covenant with us. And as you go, may the peace, love, and grace of our Lord go with you. Amen.